What's up, everybody? Scott here with another episode of Rebunked, uh, broadcasting here from the Last American Vagabond Studios here in historic Franklin, Tennessee. Super excited about this episode. I uh, got an old dear friend on the show. Uh, but first, real quick, guys, I just want to tell you how you can come support the show if you want to. So uh, first off, so Rebunked.news is the website, and you'll see if you log in there for the first time, you'll see now there's a little email option pop up. So I want to encourage everybody to enter your email address. That way I can uh, push out alerts to you in case anything funky happens. You know, I disappear off of whatever channels I happen to be on. It's the best way to uh, stay up to date on anything going on with the show. So you know, as it says here, guard against censorship, join the mailing list today. So enter your email uh, from the website and make sure you get uh, the most up to the minute drops or in case anything happens. Um, and so on the website, uh, you're going to see all the different video platforms are on. So Rockfin is kind of the main place I push people towards uh, just because, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great platform. We get, I get crypto just for you clicking and watching the show on there. So it's a great incentive. And then we're on uh, InfoWars, Band.Video, Odyssey, Rumble, and BitChute. And so a big shout out to Matthew Raymer over at Content Safe because he helps me get to all these platforms. So basically I stream to Rumble. He takes the feed, uploads it to BitChute and Odyssey. Uh, so if you're a content creator looking to broaden your horizons and get your content to more platforms without having to upload to every single individual platform go to contentsafe.co or reach out to me and i can put you in touch with matthew directly so big shout out to content safe we're on all podcast platforms so if you want to listen on the go just pull up your podcast app type in rebunked and hit subscribe and it'll pop up now as far as premium content uh subscribe star uh definitely uh want to push people towards subscribe star because i'm gonna be doing lots of premium stuff on there right now i'm doing a three-part series uh detailing my trip out east uh, I'm going to be doing part two, I think this afternoon, I'm going to record part two. So we got two subscribers on the subscribe star. Let's see if we get up to three by the end. So just five bucks a month helps keep this ship afloat. And I really appreciate you guys' efforts there. Now, um, you're also going to see when you first log into rebunk.news, the new shirt shop. Now, big shout out to big frog t-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon. They built me this site. They took my design ideas, designed all these shirts, did it all for free. And, uh, so this is another great way to support the show. We have uh, compliance is violence. Can't depopulate an idea. We are many, they are few. I see false flags, truth wins, and then, of course, the build, because we're all about just building here. So two different styles of build shirts. So uh, if you go to rebunk.news forward slash shirts, or if you go to the website, there's a link to the shirt shop from there. And then, um, obviously, okay, the social media platforms. These are all the social media that we're on. Telegram is probably the best place to just keep up to date on the show. You can get involved with the conversation. t.me forward slash rebunked pod. And then, of course, at the bottom, there's value for value donation options there at the bottom. All right. And then the last thing I want to talk to you guys about just real quick is True TRS. It's a heavy metal detox spray, uh, toxin removal support. That's what the TRS stands for. It's a fantastic product. You know, we're just bombarded with environmental toxins, aluminum. I just noticed that I was, uh, I was using this, like, you know, body spray stuff. And I looked at the very top ingredient and said aluminum. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can't use that anymore. So I just basically shot myself in the foot. The year I've been on TRS, I just threw it out the window because I've been using this body spray. That I didn't even realize. At aluminum and of course i should have known better anything from the grocery store i shouldn't put on or near my body right in any way shape or form so now we know but truthtrs.com uh also if you follow them on instagram they've got all kinds of testimonials um really positive effects kids people use it for their pets like it's just an all-around awesome product to eliminate and flush out all the heavy metals that have accumulated in your body so truthtrs.com to learn more about that all right guys that's it so 
Uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring in here. This is uh, my good friend, Dean Reiner, uh, from, uh, from out in the sticks in Oregon, buddy. How you doing, man? <laughs> oh man, I'm doing really well, Scott. How you doing, dude? Thanks for having me oh, on. Man, my pleasure, man. Uh, it's, good you, to, uh, it's good to hear your voice again. It's good to see your face. Awesome. You too, brother. Like, um, yeah, crazy since the last time we talked, I think we both kind of embarked on these uh, crazy little journeys, man. And so, uh, just really excited to catch up. So, Maybe for our uh, listeners that may not be familiar, why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe your background and a little bit about your show? Oh, boy. Okay. Well, thanks, man. Um, I don't want to get too wordy or too high-winded, but uh, I am Mr. Dean Reiner. I'm the sole executive producer of the Epis Down podcast, which has been going on for about a little over two years now. Um, It's not your mom's podcast. It's definitely not for everyone. I think it's actually only for like a really select group (laughs) of people, a very refined audience. I've done a great job of basically canceling myself uh so i feel pretty good about that i it's been made pretty clear over the last year and a half to two years like who i'm actually speaking for and who i'm speaking to and that's all been made clear by just the amount of support that i get from listeners and the donations like you guys i do the value for value all kind of based off the the no agenda model which is you know it's great it works fucking awesome i think it's a really important thing to to uh, be in control of what kind of things you value and support the kind of things that you value yourself and not have any sort of paywall or subscription kind of fees. I've toyed with the idea, um, but I'm just not that kind of a show, you know, and I know that if I were to do that kind of a, that kind of a system with my, with the way I do my show, I would be, it would become more of a job than, than a craft. And I just consider this another one of the crafts that I do. I'm a longtime artist born this way. Can't help it. I sometimes I hate it. But it's just the way that I am. So I am what I am. So I'm a maker of things and I do stuff. So I do this podcast because um, as a maker of things, I used to get really fucked up and really high and drunk all the time for years and years and years and years, decades. And then I stopped doing all that stuff, you know, by and large, for the most part. And then I uh, found that my my craft and the things that I make were all kind of married into that same activity of getting, you know, spiritually obliterated with substances. So when I went back from from being uh, sort of cleanish, mostly clean, soberish, mostly sober, mm-hmm. and started making art again, it was really, I realized I had to make a different kind of art because I couldn't expect to just do the same kind of work the same way without, without that substance assistance, at least not at that time. And since then, things have changed, and I'm back to making rad paintings again without being super loaded, which is really cool. But it took a long time, and in the meantime, I decided to learn an entirely new craft, and that was making a podcast. I had no idea how to even run a computer. I had no idea how to use a laptop. I had no idea how to do any kind of audio engineering or sound or didn't even have a microphone. I was just yelling at my computer in a, in a stuffed closet for the first few episodes until I started learning and figuring out some stuff. And then um, I just, the show kind of went off from there and it's, it's pivoted and it's gone different directions. It started out being kind of a, an analysis and examination of different types of psychology and cultish behavior as I was coming out of a 12 step program, sort of. Mm-hmm. And I kind of recognized some weird mind control techniques that were employed in that, that I almost got looped into. And I was looped into for a while. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the show really started focusing primarily on just mind control, different aspects of mind control and manipulation, gaslighting uh, by the narcissistic systems that we all live in and that we are all a part of, whether we like it or not. So that's really what the show is about. Ultimately it's about inversion and, the message has been pretty clear to me that if there is a message or a narrative that's being pushed on all sides, 
then it's quite likely that the exact opposite is actually true. And so that's sort of what I like to do with the up is down show. Yeah, man. And you're, you just nailed it. Like, like as you awake to all these things in the world, you realize fundamentally the inversion is just like the reality of almost everything, everything that we took to heart that we considered to be true or everything we were taught growing up. It's like, you know, it's actually the complete opposite. And so it's like a kind of a, in that context, you can look at the world through that lens and be like, okay, whatever they're telling me, I can almost assume it's the exact opposite. Right. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy to the point where it's like, that can even be weaponized against us there yeah. because they know that we know that, that they know that, that we know, you know what I mean? It's like one of those things, yeah. like, like they, they know that we know. And so they can use that against us. So that they, they, they're just going to assume that we think it's all bullshit. So, you and know, they yeah. do use it against yeah. us. Yeah. They yeah. use it yeah. to deplatform us and silence people like us and shadow ban and keep our numbers down, whatever the fuck we're trying to do, you know? And yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just trying to make some, at least I'm just trying to make something. I can't, you know, I don't speak for a, we, I don't know who the, we are. And I don't, I don't even know who the, they are. Yeah. All I know is that there's one man here who's trying to make stuff um, while I still have this form on this plane in this realm. Yeah. And I've always had this drive ever since my first memories was to just make things. And so yeah. that's, that's all I'm going to do. And um, I used to be really gung ho about getting the message out and mm -hmm. pointing out the truth. And while I still think that's really important it's no longer my real focus with the show or anything that I'm doing creatively or even actionably. That's all secondary. I think by now everyone has their own kind of idea as to what's really going on or what's missing. And everyone sort of has their own little song that they're singing uh, in order to, to get to that end point. So I'm not going to get in their way and I'm trying to stay out of my own way. Yeah, that's a great outlook, man. Like we can't, we we can't just, you know, we can't feel like it's our duty to wake everybody up. Like we put the information out there, but uh, at the same time, well, your show in particular, I feel like there there's so much value in it in the sense that yeah, you don't pull any punches, you tell it how it is, you speak from the heart, and it's like it's harrowing sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it really is. Uh, some of my like if, if folks aren't familiar with your episodes, like like the mind control stuff, still to this day, like some of the best podcasting I've ever heard in my life was that series you did on like targeted ind individuals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nothing like there was like episode 30 something. Like I'm always telling people about that. Yeah. Thanks um, man. Yeah, yeah. Those are good ones. I get tremendous feedback from those still. I still get yeah. random emails from total strangers that are like, Hey, I just heard your show. And, and to my surprise in the body of the email from people that I've never met, you know, from somewhere in some other country <laughs> in the world, yeah. they're like, I can tell from the body of the email that they're actually going through the archives. They're not just mm -hmm. listening to the latest release and being, and like, oh, that show's not for me or that show's rad. Like they're going through the 127 different episodes I've done in the past yeah. and they're they're selecting which ones have really have really, you know, that they think is remarkable and has really marked them in a certain way. And they give me really good positive feedback on that. And yeah. it's unfortunate the mind control stuff, because 10 out of 10 times, if I produce a show about mind control or gaslighting or targeted individuals, 10 for 10, man, I get emails from people that are like, help me. I'm targeted. Wow. I finally, you know, you, you know, what's going on and, you know, you obviously know what you're talking about. Can you help me? And like, I just, I can't, Yeah, I, I simply, I can't. And that's, it's a slippery thing to do. And so I, I'm cautious now more than ever about producing shows about that stuff because mm. it becomes more apparent every time I produce some work about that, that there is, that the gaslighting and the targeting is happening at such an immensely exponential level constantly. And uh, the more I shine a light on it in my own creative way, mm -hmm. the more I think that line that light shines back down on me. And uh, I certainly don't want to be in that in that crosshairs. I mean, I don't yeah. think that I'm not. I think every one of us are targeted all the time. 
some more than others and some to more extreme, you know, degrees than others. And um, for some reason, I think I've been fairly lucky enough to have some sort of force field around me that keeps what I think are the three letter agencies. I just don't think that they're really interested in me. I, th I think I'm utterly insignificant as a, as a targeted person, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's weird though, because it seems like most people who, you know, come forward or, or, or talk about that being something that's part of their life, you know, they're not like particularly special in any one particular regard or not. They're almost, they do. They seem very much like victims, you know? Well, they are. Uh, yeah. And, but, but it's like, but it's like really outside of that, they're really, really not anything in particular that's, I mean, notably, notably, of course, there was the incident that you covered very well about uh, Tracy Twyman. I mean, obviously, she was digging in, in places that would bring the heat down for sure. Yeah. But, but yeah. And and also those around her. Yeah. You know, that's an yeah. ongoing conversation piece in my little camp here. And we just had a party yesterday with some people. I'm still a little hungover for it because we were up <laughs> at like two in the morning burning all the wood. Nice. It was super fun. Um, but, you know, it, it came up. We had a little a gathering. It was supposed to be an event for someone else who was going to um, speak. And we we're going to host this little event here at the house at the chalet. But it all kind of fell apart at the end um, for various reasons. But a lot of it, you know, I, I would dare say had to do with some sort of targeting somewhere. Yeah. And people kind of got a little spooked. And so we decided that it'd be a good idea to just cancel it. Wow. And for those of us, those people that were already kind of dialed in and had already made sacrifices and changes in order to drive down here to this point in Oregon, we decided to accommodate them. And then we might as well just have another, just have a gathering anyway, you know, but you know, um, her name came up, her name comes up all the time. Yeah. It's an, it's a, it's a saga that no one will ever be able to unravel. I think when it comes to to Tracy and it's yeah. unfortunate because there's a lot of, there's a lot of threads there and there's been a really large and heavy, very obvious and active campaign over the last year of a particular individual to literally erase her legacy in some fashion. And I suspect it seems pretty obvious that this individual wants to rebuild it in his own image. And mm. I think that's really, really shameful and disgusting because it's the it's the inversion, again, of everything that she ever did and stood for and fought for and died for ultimately, you know. But yeah. there's so many unanswered and unanswerable questions when it comes to her that, I mean, the, the aspects of the gang, the gang stalking stuff, it almost pales in comparison to the larger scope of the danger that she represented and the danger that she carried around with her. And ultimately, the bottom line is there's so many unanswered questions about her as an individual, let alone, never mind what, what happened to her. You know, there's like any other producer, she's a, she was a producer. Yeah. So there was a product that she was creating and that product was a particular body of research behind a particular personality style. That was a product. And uh, because it's a product, there's a whole level of production that goes into producing that particular product that you don't really see. Yeah. You know, like I was making the analogy yesterday, like, you know, you're making a painting, you know, you show the painting, you say, ah, like this is, this is my painting. You know, you're writing a book, you present the book, you show the book to somebody, you say, look, here's my book. You don't show them all the hours of research and notes and things that in the binders full of information that you use to put the book together. You know, you just show them the book. Yeah. And so there's so many things in the background of, of producers, of creators that you just don't see that are all, they're all part of the package of the final product, but you just don't see it because it's been deemed irrelevant by the producer, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
the unfortunate part is when it comes to her, those are those things that were so-called irrelevant details to the production of the things, the product that she was and the product that she produced. Those irrelevant details are really valuable and I, I would say invaluable clues and pieces as to what actually happened with her. But we'll mm -hmm. never know because she, as the producer, had the controls over those details and deemed them irrelevant for all of us to know. Yeah. That's why it'll be a never answerable question. You know, I don't think it'll ever come to the light of day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy stuff. And yeah, anybody that's not familiar with her work, uh, where would you, where would you send somebody besides your episodes that you did? It's hard to say. I mean, she had a great website. That's all taken down now. Oh, it's been taken down. Shoot. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Almost everything with her name on it has been okay. pulled um, for some supposed copyright infringement, which is wow preposterous. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of threads there. There's a lot of dirt there. And if people wanted to do their own sleuthing, um, they could put a lot of dots together and come up with a couple few names as to why and who and what the motivations may be. To me, it seems pretty obvious, but I feel nervous just talking about it because honestly, it's none of my business. Sure. Know? Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. So another another uh, little series that you did that really stood out, and this was a little while back also, but uh, it's the the Libya discussion that you had, and I feel like there's there's some relevance to that now because everyone's oh, yeah. up in arms, like losing their minds about Ukraine and and Russia, or yeah, Russia. But it's like you know we have incidences like like Libya that no one even knows the first damn thing about. I know. Like, what, what was that? Uh, what, what was that couple? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue that you interviewed with uh, Jimmy uh, and Joanne Moriarty. That's right. That's right. So what, tell us a little bit about, about that, how that all came to be. And like, what, what were some of your biggest takeaways with that? Um, well, I think it all started with a conversation I was having with the, the flat earther. Um, mm. What's his name? Dave. Um, gosh. Weiss? Yeah. David Weiss. Yeah. Uh, Dave Weiss and I, and this, uh, my friend Mario. And I think my friend Sean, we're all on a big old podcast together and we were talking about water and symbolism and things like that. And then uh, David mentioned about uh, Gaddafi making man-made rivers and bringing water and that he was this, you know, beloved leader of this country. And I was like, what, dude, I saw him get sodomized to death on, yeah. in the street by his own people. And he's like, fake, that's all fake. Mm -hmm. You want to know more? And I was like, yeah, you know? And so he kind of gave me a little bit of crumbs and then I did a, a, a shout out on my show. I called for some information. I just asked some listeners if anyone knew anything about the real story behind Gaddafi in Libya. I would love to know more. And one of my listeners actually hooked me up with the link to these people, Jim and, jo Jim and, Jim and Joanne Moriarty and their website. And uh, I just asked them if they wouldn't mind um, talking to me. And they had been talking about it for over 10 years. Yeah. And it's gotten their lives in nothing but hell, man. They've been stalked and targeted by the FBI for about 15 years their lives have been completely ruined they're totally impoverished and they're sick of talking about it because every time they talk about it they get in trouble mm. uh, but they graced me with their presence and we talked for about four hours about it and they told me the real story man i mean they were there boots on the ground those episodes were incredibly informative and mind-blowing as to what was actually happening and when you really look into the true story of Gaddafi, i mean you can just look it up on youtube there's still some videos that are available uh, david vice has a good collection of that stuff but you see what was going on there and you see the real threat that Gaddafi represented through the gold backed dinar. That was it. That's what it came down to. It wasn't anything to do with depression or politics besides it was a threat to the central banking system, you know? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So they nuked all of his rivers and they destroyed the whole thing. They farmed in uh, about 500,000 Al Qaeda warriors from different, uh, sectors and different sections and countries of like, you know, Iraq and, um, 
in Afghanistan or something like that, somewhere around there where they were just really hardcore militant Islamists. And they farmed them all in. All those people that you see in those videos mm -hmm. uh, at the last day of Qaddafi, I mean, those are all farmed in nationals from other countries that were farmed in and sold uh, to, to do that, to look. Because, you know, <laughs> to the Western media, all those sand niggers look alike. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's I hate to use that term, but that's that's the way it, that's the way it's presented is like we're not able to differentiate who's who because they all kind of look alike, you know, and the Western media capitalizes on that. So they can show us these these, you know, CBS or 60 minute specials of all these brown people and they all look alike. So, of course, we're just going to assume that they all must be Libyan nationals when in fact they weren't, you know, but there's no way for us as Westerners to differentiate that. It's really sad yeah. because they play on our ignorance. It's like they play on our strengths. Absolutely. And it's just, it's just so shocking that, you know, because of these actions and then the greed of, you know, maintaining the central bank status or whatever, like, man, that's just to plunge that country into such despair. Like I hear people talking about like how there's just like a slave trade, like they're just trading people like in the open market now. And it's just like, oh yeah, it's insane, man. And it's just yeah. like, man, like no there's no outrage though. No outrage about that. Of course. No outrage. Yeah. No one's held to account. Nope. Like it never even happened, you know, and nope. thank God we've had a cascade of new so-called fake terror and stupid world events that just keep the eyes off of things like that. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. just incredible. Dude. When I, when I think about people wanting to be left alone, which is kind of, that's me, that's my kind of people. I just want to be yeah. left the fuck alone. I know. And we know if we, if we're remembering history in any way, even 10 years ago or to hundred years ago, they'll never leave you alone ever. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're doing something, if you represent a threat and they decide to exemplify you, they, I mean, the three letter alphabet agencies who really run shit, if they want to exemplify you and make an example, you know, they will do that. I mean, it's, it's tragic, dude. Randy yeah. Weaver just died the yeah, other night. Well, that, and, uh, I mean, that's the, to me, that's one of the clearest examples followed by, of course, David Koresh, you know, all of these things have been whitewashed in the American media press as these these extremists, these, these crazy weirdos, these hostile others, you know? Yeah. And so this, the real truth behind those events are so tragic and, and not complicated. They're really not complicated, but there's so much spin in the media to overcomplicate and, and, and synthesize this bullshit narrative on top of real facts and real truth and real history that these people just really want to be left alone. And they were playing things above board. Randy Weaver, David Koresh, these people, and even fucking Muammar Gaddafi, they were all mm -hmm. playing things above board, transparent, out in the open. They weren't hiding anything. And because they had something that was a threat to the system, they were each one of them systematically taken out piece by piece by piece. And then afterward made an example of. Oh, yeah. People subsequently forget about, of course, because we're constantly under information attack all the time. So it just goes, it just gets memory hold until it comes up on some sort of anniversary date or something. Yeah, man, it's just tragic. It's tragic. And not only like, you know, do they, they kill these people, but then they like besmirch them and create these narratives. I haven't quite looked into the David Koresh thing fully to the extent that I probably should, but I understand that like, you know, I've seen, I've heard of like the media smear campaign afterwards. Right. And it's just like crazy, man. So yeah, dude. It's, it's kind of like all the all the the other executions that they do where it's like they not only like take you out but they do it in such a way that like uh you know kind of like oh all these die people died from autoerotic asphyxia asphyxiation you know what i mean stuff like that to kind of besmirch yeah. the name just to kind of like really, really give it to you so yeah crazy. david carradine david carradine <laughs> or like like uh another example is like um uh why is it why why is it on the tip of my tongue Soundgarden guy yeah chris cornell it's Cornell. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. It's just like, man, it's just brutal. 
Well, shoot, man. Okay, so you mentioned yeah, wanting to be left alone. You want to be wanting to be left alone. You know, that's the two by two type of people in this world: those who want to be left alone, and those who just want to control every aspect of everybody's life. Right. Well, I'd say like, that there's three different people. Okay, okay. People want to be left alone. People that want to control, and people that really don't give a shit. Sure. People that are just taking the the path of least resistance. They don't really want to control people, but they really don't care if they're left alone or not because they have nothing to hide, quote unquote. Yeah. You know? But when push comes to shove or when 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 everything's gets activated, you know, they're they're gonna pick a side, right? And like a lot of them, like, yeah. So people oh, yeah, that they'll, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll pick a side, dude. They'll go oh, yeah. shop at Walmart, you know, they'll yeah. talk about how they're gonna they're going off grid and they'll talk about yeah. how they're gonna homestead and they got all their prepper stuff, they got a underbound, you know, underground bunker. Uh, but they fill it all up with with Costco stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what I, I mean. Who cares? Oh. I, I I don't judge, man. It's just I just think it's funny. People people often think like, you know, in in a shit hit the fan situation that because they're so prepped out, you know, they have so many guns and so much bullets and so much water that they're going to be fine. Yeah. And I think it's a good fantasy. You know, I don't think people realize that if you if you publicize in any way that information or if you have any sort of weakness like in the shit hit the fan situation let's just say that there's no grid like the grid goes down for two weeks right two weeks yeah. no power most people aren't going to have access to water uh, that's going to be the highest demand thing and everyone that has all that prep gear and all that bunker shit they're going to be yeah. known and they're going to be the first ones people are going to go after and not oh, just yeah. people and agencies but their own neighbors you know yeah yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Have you ever heard or uh, read the, uh, there's a guy named Selco and he survived like the Balkan wars, like a year of uh, a year of like, shit, <laughs> yeah. fan type situation. Yeah, we, were just, we were just talking about him yesterday. Yeah. The yeah. takeaway is uh, buy lighters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Buy lighters, like lighters and alcohol. Those were the two big things. Buy lighters, big things. alcohol, tobacco. Yeah. Uh, yep. I would, I would add um, wires, cords, yeah. cables, Sure, sure. Things like that, batteries, <laughs> like all these yeah. weird little little things that you wouldn't think are so valuable until you actually yeah. need them. You well, know, and paper. he even said, yeah, he said too, like like medication, medicine, like like any sort of like antibiotics, stuff like that. Like he said, most of the people that died it was from like disease or from like infection. Like most of the people that he was aware of that died. And, and yeah. he said, ammunition. You just cannot have enough ammunition because you're gonna be shooting people. You're gonna be <laughs> like having well, to hunt, be, yeah, trading it. Trading yeah. it for gas, trading it yep. for water. Yep. I mean, that's all those things are really good. Yep. Yeah. And, and then, talking about that yesterday. That's awesome. Well, I want to encourage everybody to go check it out. It's a fantastic, like, it's like a, he did like some internet posts, like in some message board, and then opened it up and people were asking him questions. He's just answering all these questions and it's, it's powerful stuff. You know, a lot of these things that you don't really actually kind of think about. And he's like, okay, so you need to have like community. Like, it doesn't matter. You could have all the guns and ammunition in the world, but if you're by yourself or if it's just a couple of you, like you're going to get, you know, the marauders are just going to run over you. You know what I mean? So you got to have like community and not only community, but ideally like family, like family, like family's better than friends because they said like, if it comes down to like your friend, if it's like between you or their kid, like who are they going to pick? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like crazy right. shit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about that, man. I'm building my community here. I, yep. mean, I'm, I moved into a cool community about a year ago and a few months. And um, I'm just on this I'm on this arc building kick right now where I'm just yeah. really trying to trying to get outside of my own way and stop doing the same things I was always doing. Not that they're harmful or unproductive. It's just like I just don't care about all the conspiracy stuff that much right now. Yeah. I don't really care about trying to figure out what's going on in the cosmos or what's behind the sun. Like I know enough. That I have some ideas about all these things, and I just, I just don't care to spin my wheels in these in this endless, endless conjecture anymore. Like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to figure out a way that I can, um, 
extract myself from these systems within a reasonable way and and just decentralize away from the dependency as much as I possibly can. It's impossible to do it fully. I mean, yeah. the only way out is suicide, really. It's the only way out yeah. uh, of these, you know, to decentralize this is just, you know, eat a gun. Yeah. But, you know, I'm I'm trying to meet people in this community and build bridges. And I've found some really great ways to do that that have been really fulfilling and satisfying and doesn't really pay any money. So mm -hmm. I'm still kind of, you know, I'm sort of in the wilderness in, in that aspect. I'm trying really, I mean, I'm not trying hard. I'm just, I'm not going to go get a job type job. I'm really avoiding the idea of getting onto someone's payroll or tax system. And so I've just been freelancing and, and it's been working out really well. I mean, I could stand, of course, everyone can stand and make more money, obviously, but for what it is and for what my needs are, I'm barely getting by. And I'm also, I have agency over what I do, how much I do and who I do it for. It's all up to me, which yeah. is really cool. And if there's nothing there, then I have to go and generate that thing. I have to go and generate that lead and go make that connection and, you know, offer whatever value I have to offer. And the cool part about that is, listen, I'm a badass. Yeah. And, and I can do all kinds of shit. And I think everyone else is too. Like, yeah, everyone, you know, is capable of learning skills that are extremely valuable. And so whenever I'm doing a job for someone out here, yeah, I'm making money and it might be backbreaking work or it might be really easy. But what I'm doing with every single task that I do is I'm increasing my own personal value, which has mm -hmm. been increasing the value that I have to offer to other people. That doesn't mean I can charge more money per hour. It just means that I'm more valuable with each and every day. And I think that's really, really important. And I've never felt that at a job type job. You know? Yeah. 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 So how did, that was one of the things I definitely wanted to talk to you about or ask you about, like, how did, like, what does that look like? Do you, do you approach people? Do you say, Hey, do you need any work done? And is it just like, like more like, man, like what, what does this look like? How did you get embark how did you embark down this path uh well, something i'm really like dude i'm like right there with you like dude i'm like yeah. i just moved to a brand new city you know i, I i'm kind of like in this place where i'm gonna need to start working here soon or, or doing something generating some income at some point you know what i mean and uh yeah. i did i did i've kind of like i got a temporary job or like a like a like a part-time job you're gonna get a kick hey. out of it i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a ghost tour guide i actually yes, <laughs> yes i'm gonna be yeah. giving ghost tours in downtown nashville dude that sounds there awesome. So, yeah. so you're living in Nashville proper? Is that Dude, a pretty I'm, big city? It's a, it's a, uh, the city's off the hook. Yeah, it's a pretty big city. Uh, the studio here, Ryan's studio, is at Franklin, which is like 20 miles south of Nashville. But my place, I'm renting a room like literally just a couple miles south of uh, downtown Nashville. Like it's crazy, dude. It's wild. Pretty dope, man. I'm really proud of you for making that yeah. move. It takes a lot Thank of balls you. to break away from home and leave the farm and 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 go. I mean, I think last time you and I talked was mm -hmm. at manifest and yep, like yep, yep. face to face and you were yep. stoked on your little tiny house property and yep. building that thing up and that was your escape and it sounds like you kind of just left that uh yeah let it go is that true very much true man like i was just kind of just very much uh let's see at that time i was like still in the band doing truthzilla like i had all these attachments to oregon and you know each one of those like fell away and i'm just like i've been wanting to get out for a long time and i'm just like at this point after all that kind of wrapped up i'm like that's it i'm doing it everything just kind of aligned to where you know, it, it was time. It was like overdue. I had to get out. And then also not only that, but like when I left, like everything just kind of in my life, like wrapped up in such a way that there was no nothing left there for me, man. Like I, all the chapters okay. ended in a very nice way. I, there's no like nothing lingering. It's just it's, it's done. Yeah. No, un, no unfinished business, man. No unfinished business at all. In a very weird way, like yeah. each one of these little things kind of wrapped up in such a 
very interesting way that just keeps lending credibility to the fact that this was the right decision. You know what I mean? So. Well, yeah, I think in the first part to your original question, part yeah. of the ways that you start that I started to decentralize away from the idea of getting a job type job is recognizing that everything you do for money, it always it's just the same money. It doesn't not and I'm not talking about amounts or value. Mm -hmm. talking about the same means like you're working all these different jobs you're going to be a ghost tour you could be cleaning toilets you could be building cars you're still making the same kind of money and that same kind of money is still going to be going to pay for the same kinds of things you'd be doing whether you were a fucking airline pilot or a a, a, a home builder you know so that's the first thing is like you know i i i left a, a tidy federal job as a mailman and i thought yep. that was good money and that was hard money and it was stupid money but it wasn't i guess it was kind of good but at the end of the day it was just the same money it was the same money i was making if i was working at subway you know yeah and so that was the weird thing is detaching myself away from like the value of the occupation and like oh well that's mailman money or that's subway money or that's a mcdonald's money like it's just money for for one thing um so that's that's one thing is just separate away from the idea that that you're that you're that the value and the money you make in that occupation is somehow tied in with that sort of title. It's not, it's just, it's just money. It's the same money you'd make selling drugs, mm -hmm. you know, or filming child pornography and selling it on the black market. You know, it's just still money. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, um, you know, we moved down here and I had a, a nice little savings that I pretty much blew through in about a year we did a lot of improvements on our little house here and um, I've put in a ton of sweat equity and building things around here. And so a lot of that money just got blown out by the cost of life, just the cost of living, paying a mortgage every month. Um, you know, I paying for my kids' health insurance, paying for gas, driving to Portland, you know, twice a week, sometimes three times a week, got super expensive. Um, cigarettes beer food going out you know like living like i actually have the means to live like that which was which was not true but i did it anyway mm -hmm. um so there's that once the money started running out i started getting kind of panicky because i you know i was looking down the barrel of like okay i got about three more months of easy living before things are going to get kind of hard and i have to make some decisions and i was kind of stressing and panicking about that and i still you know i had been here almost a year and didn't still don't really have any friends that much. Um, I've made some connections, but they're all voluntary connections as far as like we're volunteers. Like I was volunteering at this farm, this animal sanctuary for a while, and I was learning some cool skills there and some cool people. And I knew that if I applied myself, I could just go there and say, hey, by the way, um, I'm a badass, as you know, and I can do all kinds of stuff and I'm easily taught. Do you know anyone who needs some some ranch work? Because in that in the process of volunteering at that farm, I got, I fell in love with the country around here right away. And so I'm driving around between these little, these farms and vineyards and hop fields. And I'm seeing all these guys on tractors and there's these migrant labor teams and they're out there in the vineyards. And I'm like, God, that all looks like really good work. There's a, there's no shortage of outside work around here and between all these little, you know, ranches and, and homesteads. I was like, I know I could just plug into some of these little, these little ranches and, and get some, get some outside work. And now I know how to build barns and now I know how to tend to animals. And I got some people that can vouch for me as far as knowing that I'm not a thief and I'm not a drug addict and I'm not going to break their shit. So I've got a little bit of a reputation between like maybe eight people, not a lot. Mm -hmm. There's 10,000 people in this tiny town. Um, so, but I, you know, I, I still hadn't made that leap uh, from thinking about it and worrying about it to actually getting out there and doing something about it. And it wasn't until my lovely partner uh, suggested that I 
I make a Facebook account just for the town and just with an ad that says that I'm kind of like a, you know, a, a gun for hire. Mm. And I didn't take her seriously. Cause I'm like, what me? Like little me, like, I don't have, I still have kind of a self-deprecated poor opinion of myself. I still think I'm kind of a fuck up most of the time, even though I know I'm a badass, I still live in that, that kind of dissonance of like, well, you know, no one would want me. I couldn't possibly do that kind of, you know, that kind of narrow-minded thinking. And so I, but I did, I, I made a Facebook thing and I put an ad up and within an hour, someone hired me to dig a, a trench behind his bar and paid me 500 bucks. Holy crap. Okay. Now we're talking. So Facebook, like, how did you do that? The Facebook, like on uh, like a buy, sell trade group or something like in a group, or did you make mm -hmm. your own page or? Yeah. Yeah. There's a marketplace group in this town. Ah. And so I just jumped on that and I said, Hey, yeah. you know, I'm 43 years young. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I got a truck. I got some tools. I can do all kinds of stuff. I'm not an expert, um, but I have honest value to exchange and I'll tell you what I can't do. Let's talk about yeah. some jobs, something like that, you know, beautiful. And, and this guy within an hour was like, Hey, I, I blew a pipe behind my bar on new year's Eve. Um, I need to get a 25 foot long, two foot deep trench dug. And I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. And I looked at it. I was like, I could fucking do that. And so, you know, it took me four hours to dig this, this hole, this trench. Yeah. And he paid me 500 bucks. I made 500 bucks in four hours. Yeah. You know, and then the next day, um, someone responded to the ad and were like, can you do this? Can you put a roof on a barn? And I said, yes, I can. They wanted to know if I was licensed and bonded. I said, no, I'm not. And so they never got back to me. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still, you know, living off of Tony's money from that job. And then he wanted me to fill in the hole for another 300 bucks. And so I went back to the bar and he helped me with that job. And then he, and then his wife wanted me to hang all these cool things in her house. She has like this hanging garden. And so she wanted me to climb up on a ladder and hang all these things from these cables from her ceiling in this rad house. It took me like three or four hours and he paid me another 300, $400. So like, it's kind of working. Like one job led to the next, to the next, yeah. to the next. Unfortunately, it was all the same guy. Yeah. But it was, it was exponential. It was one thing leading to the next, to the next, to the next. And then uh, I got another hit on the ad. Um, this woman is remodeling her kitchen and she just needs help demoing her kitchen. Mm -hmm. She just needs, mm -hmm. you know, some muscle to just rip walls down and tear floors out. And so I'm like, I could fucking do that. And so I did that. And then she paid me a few hundred bucks and then she needed all that shit to go to the dump. And she paid me for that and paid for gas. And so that job led to another job, to another job. Yeah. And then, so there's a farm store here and my super helpful, awesome partner, she was like, you know, there's a bulletin board in the back of that store at Wilco. Why don't you just make a little three by five fucking card with that same information, your, your name and everything and what you can do is put it up on that bulletin board. And I was like, who the fuck, who uses a bulletin board? You know, <laughs> the type and of guys I, that are going to hire you. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So those those farmer dudes. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I go to the farm <laughs> store and sure enough, there's like lost dog i need help with this and blah 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 you know i can and there's a few other guys that are doing the same thing like hey i'm a plumber i'm an electrician i'm a carpenter i'm looking for work so i put my little tag up there and um and walked away and about two weeks later i'm doing a job back at that bar again and this old guy calls me and his wife was just there putting up their ad looking for help and she sees mine and so she calls me or she, she gives it to him and he calls me and this guy is rad. He's this rad old guy and this and his wife. They live up about 20 minutes away up in the hills. And they have this 10-acre spread. 
that's just gotten out of their control and they need year round part-time work like year round. So I'm looking yeah. down the barrel now of like a 25 bucks an hour year round part-time work, maybe 20 hours a week, 2025 20, in the summertime, you know? Yeah. So that's a part-time job and it's all cash. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's like these jobs just led from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And then, so now as I'm working for, you know, this guy up in the Hills, uh, the bar guy calls me occasionally for, for jobs and I go and do things for him. And then the lady with the demo kitchen, she calls me cause she needs all this landscaping stuff done now, now that her kitchen's done, she needs all this other stuff, you know, this other kind of work done. So I just kind of just pinball between these other jobs and, uh, they all kind of exponentially grow into the next and mm -hmm. the next. So I would I would suggest, you know, refusing to take the job type job. Unless it's something yeah. that you really want to do. If it's something that yeah. sounds fun and they're paying you good and it's not it's kind of it's not gonna take away from your soul. Like the ghost tour thing sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm totally um, stoked about that. You but know, yeah. but if it wasn't that, like and if you want to get out and spend time out in the summer, um, maybe doing things to build skills. That's the other part about it too, is like all of these jobs, like mm -hmm. I'm not an expert in demoing and nor am I an expert in in you know pruning orchards or anything like that but these people that are hiring me on they're showing me how they want these things done and they're teaching me how to do these things with these tools with this technique to get this result and then they set me loose on it you know and they seem to be happy because they keep paying me to come back and so i'm like learning a ton of different skills and tricks and techniques from these really seasoned experienced people who just don't have the energy or the time to do it themselves so i'm learning how to use crazy rad tools and machinery mm -hmm things that I never would have thought I was doing a year ago, you know? Yeah. And so all of those skills then make me more valuable with each passing day. So now I can say that, you know, I'm certified to use this piece of equipment or I understand how to use these types of things and that how the harnesses work and how to clip in and clip out. And I know how, you know, what kind of fuel mixture is appropriate for this machine versus this machine, you know, how to keep these these tools clean, what they're used for and when not to use them and how to use them right, you know, and things like that. So yeah, it's all nice. that stuff is it just piles into the value bank so that when someone hires me to do a different kind of job, I can take all those skills like, oh, now I understand how to lay down gravel. Like I never thought about gravel in my mm -hmm. life yeah. until I was hired to do a tiny, tiny gravel job. And then I learned how to use three quarter minus gravel and how to lay it down the right way so that it locks in and creates something really close to concrete, but not quite. Mm. And then uh, knowing that I got a job with that other lady to do her whole driveway, you know, <laughs> and that was like $400 wow. over, over the, over a weekend, not a ton of money, sure. but it's, it's enough to keep gas in the tank and food on the plates and keep my bills manageable and keep me busy, you know? Yeah, man, that's so inspiring. And then for me, the thing I've been trying to pay attention to, because like, yes, I would love to be in that world where I'm my own boss and I'm, I'm picking and choosing. Like I've done a few things like trying to tap into my skill set, like doing like like video editing, stuff like that. But it's tough yeah. because like, like you know, they have all these websites like Upwork or Fiverr. And it's like you're competing with people in like Bangladesh that charge like $2 an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. So it's like uh, so I'm just I ha I've been running into roadblock after roadblock with that. And so like you're what you're telling me right now is like super inspiring. You know, I'm, I'm, I wrote down a list of action things that I'm going to do when we're done here, because that that's really that's really the key, man. Like a lot of the things that I've been trying to pay attention to in my, my, myself is just the whole entrepreneurial thing. Like there's like mental roadblocks there. There's like there's like and, and to me, I like I've identified like 
there's fear. The fear is what's really debilitating when it comes to like trying to venture out and take a risk and do something on your own. Like whether it's like creating some sort of craft product or, or come up with like a, like a service, like whether it's like, I don't know, but, but that fear of just, you know, whether it's like not, not, not being able to succeed or just whatever it is, like keeps you trapped into a thing where I automatically always just revert back to just applying for jobs on indeed.com instead of investing yeah. in myself or taking yeah. the, the first initiative step. You know what I mean? It's easier just to go and apply for a job on indeed than it is to take a huge risk and venture out into the world of entrepreneurialism. Have you had any like mental roadblocks when it comes to that stuff? Um, yeah, dude, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, I was like, had that self deprecating, you know, poor self image that I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I don't know how to do that. I'm not going to try. Yeah. You know, so I was, I was getting in my own way. Um, but to what you said, I think that the problem that people have with venturing out, is that they're not scared they're, they haven't really got to a point where they're scared scared or they're actually worried worried like i was getting worried worried about the ability to hold up my end of the deals that i've made in this life you know because because all of it comes down to money in the end disgustingly true it's yeah. unavoidable that's the fact of life that is unescapable it for you to live a life in this society even if you don't want to be a part of it you need money you know, you got to hold up your end or you're going to be a fucking douchebag. And I don't want to be a douchebag. I've never, yeah. I'm capable of being a douchebag, but I certainly don't like to be that. And so I, I, I did, I experienced a significant level of anxiety and fear and to which there was, it was necessary for me to do something, to, to be active and actively do something about my situation. And there's a saying, you know, <laughs> necessity is the mother of invention. So I invented a different role for myself because it was necessary, you know? And so, um, and when I took on jobs to people, I told them honestly, like, I don't know how to do that. You know, I can set a toilet, but I can't install a sink. Mm -hmm. And so then they know that they're not going to give me that job, but they can give me something else, you know? And I also know that I'm not going to bite off more than I can chew because I don't want to fuck it up and mm -hmm. I don't want to sour that relationship, you know? So it really starts with just being honest with myself and other people like i know that i don't know how to do these things but i know that i want to know how to do these things and so mm -hmm. if i express that i don't know how to set a sink um that signals a message that i would like to know how to set a sink you know and so if you can find someone who is a plumber who's going to set up your sink if he needs help i'll work for free just so i could learn how to do it you know yeah so I think being being afraid and being scared of hitting bottom or even just going and down to the bottom is absolutely critical in taking that jump off point, you know. Yeah. Um yesterday, so uh Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled came down to visit shout out to Adam. for a while. Yeah, shout out Adam, shout him uh, shout out to Deborah. He came down to the house yesterday for a little bit to visit and we we're talking about his sheep and um and shearing and that, you know, I was telling him about around here there's no shortage of horses. And I knew about a year ago that I was going to be working with horses in some capacity. I just felt it. Like I saw it. I saw it in my little movie of my life that horses are going to play into my life somehow as far as earning money. And so I started thinking about shoeing and what's called farriers, mm. horseshoeing, and that that's a that's an extremely valuable skill. 
that very few people do and have. And it's like a, it's a weird niche market. And it's not, it's nothing that I think I could just jump into that market. Like you have to apprentice, I imagine for a long time to learn how to shoe horses. You have to be familiar with horses, comfortable around them. I'm neither familiar or comfortable around horses yet, but I know that I will be. But um, in the context of what Adam was talking about with uh, his sheep and that he had to have his sheep sheared, um, I was trying to, we were both talking about the value of that skill. So there's a mobile sheep shearer that goes around and shears the sheep, but that's just what this person does. Mm. That's the person's skills. One of the person's skills, and it's a value that he offers for, for, for sale, mm. you know? And so I was trying to tell Adam, like, so you're seeing how that's done. You're seeing the value and the necessity of having your sheep sheared. Um, could you see yourself doing that? And he's like, I could see myself learning how to do that for myself, but not yeah. as an occupation. And I, and I, you know, of course I said, that that's totally cool. Um, but just let that roll around in the back of your mind. Like now you're, if you're listening at him, which you probably will be mm-hmm. now that you're living in this type of lifestyle, which is fucking rad. And I'm super proud of you and stoked that you yeah. are doing it and that you continue. And I, I know it's going to change you. I know that your skill level and the way that you adopt and adapt to problems is going to totally transform how you think and how you solve those problems. And I hope that you can hold on to the value of those skills and figure out ways that you can commodify those, you know, because I think that's incredibly valuable. If you can learn how to, you know, frame out your barn or or whatever, all the things that you're doing to remodel your, your, your homestead, your house, all those skills are valuable. And if you could apply those to help other people for a certain level of value exchange, I mean, that that's, that's money coming back at you and also relationship building. Cause then you become a reliable person people can count on and then having the skills that they can count on basically creates a market that you can depend on, mm-hmm. which is, I think really fucking cool. So, yeah, it's so cool, man. Like Adam and Emily, dude, they're out there crushing it. And then like Buffalo and legs the false reality check. Have you collaborated with them at all? You familiar with them? I know who they are, but I haven't. Um, I haven't ever talked to them. I don't think. Yeah. They're fantastic. They're yeah, they just they, their shows. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they're fantastic. It's just so cool to watch everyone's journey, like yours included. You know, we're all in these crazy journeys, and I've been saying too, like I got super involved with Freedom Cells. You know, my my ultimate goal is to kind of like you know live a more agrarian life, but I just haven't quite. You know, I've been just I've really been just still working nine to five type jobs like ever since. You know what I mean? And it's just like it's hard it's, for me to break out and like it's I just, work, uh, dude. It's work. I'll tell you that, man. And Adam will vouch, I'm sure. Agrarian life, the uh, so-called quote-unquote homesteading, and I know that yeah. Chud X will say it too. It's work. It's like there's yeah. always something to be done. There's always something to mend yeah. and to fix and to gather up or to burn. And that's what makes these types of communities, I think, so fucking important and valuable. It makes me so happy that I live where I live and that Adam and Chud live where they live. And I hope that you can get outside of Nashville yeah. and try that's to- the goal visit some of these littler communities and just yep. see what they got going on. See what yep. those economies are in those areas around here. There's a lot of farms and ranches, big yeah. time horse country. That's a lot of acreage and all those things need to be maintained every single day, man. And these people, they can't do it on their own. So they're, they're happy as hell to take on help and they'll pay you, you know, adequately, if not, you know, and depending on the person that you are, how you bring yourself to the job, 
just also adds to your value. And, you know, like I said, it makes you reliable and then they can rely on you, which then you can rely on them. And then you are creating a little tiny micro market that is dependable for both interested parties. Yeah, definitely. I'm leaving here tonight. I'm going to go take action on some of this stuff for sure. But yeah, definitely in this area, man. So Ryan and I actually got invited to like a little meetup on these people's farm over the weekend. It was like a farm tour, like potluck type deal. So I'm already getting plugged in with these folks out here. It was pretty badass. Yeah, man. So, uh, um, but yeah, dude. But and just think about that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, they got am- they got animals. They got livestock. Oh yeah, all, all those animals need to be turned out every day. They need to be you know fought, uh, fed, watered, hooved, shorn. Um, they got to be housed. All those structures need to be maintained, cleaned every single day. You know, I mean, just doing stable work sounds like it's down and dirty work, and it is. But man, it is so rewarding. To sounds amazing. In- to be in touch with that kind of natural aspect, to be in communication and communion with these animals and to live amongst them and with them and treat them. And they, they, they understand cause they're super sentient. They understand what you're doing for them, you know, and that just creates a tight bond and all those animal owners, they see that relationship and they see that you're a safe person. You're not a thief and you're not breaking things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of value in that, man. Well, I did want to touch on this a little bit. So I did uh, listen to your most recent episode, which is fantastic. And, you know, I've been, I've been talking about all the time, like, I want to get out there. I want to start homesteading. And the whole, the whole thing about your episode is like, okay, fine. Like I see what you want to do. You want to get out there and you want to get some animals. You want to grow your own food, but you can't call it homesteading. Can you break this down a little bit for us, dude? Because I love your take on it. And it's one of those, okay. And this is actually kind of a a microcosm (laughs) of like your show in general. It's like, you just speak your mind and you just like, you know, it's almost sometimes I'm like, ah, how dare you? You know, <laughs> but then it's like, I guess you're right. Yeah. And then it sinks in. It's like, okay. Yeah. I love that part. I love that about your show is that you just like, you speak it the way it is, man. And you, you back up your claims and it's badass. I just, so, yeah, so, I just call it as I see it. Man. <laughs> I love it. Dude. I just absolutely love it. So, so explain to us the idea of decentralized living versus homestead. Um, well, I think, you know, the whole idea actually came of it, um, listening to you and, and Adam talk yeah. on Adam's show when you you okay. made your announcement that you're moving east. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about the homesteading stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to, to Adam and Chud talk since I started talking together. And it's kind of just kind of keeping up with the progress of both of their pursuits. And then I started looking around and thinking about the idea of homesteading. This is all coming on the heels of after reading um, The Grapes of Wrath and East of Eden, like two epic John Steinbeck novels that they're not life-changing and they're not life-affirming, but I'm thinking about this stuff in a historical context and what homesteading was and what homesteading supposedly is now. And so after, you know, while reading The Grapes of Wrath, I don't know if you're familiar with that book or not, but it's fucking awesome and tragic and and horrible. And then um, I was also reading a book called The Yearling, and that's some hardcore down and dirty homesteading. What we're doing now, man, what people think that they're doing with homesteading is not that. They're, they're basically just decentralizing because, I mean, the Homestead Act was, a, was an act of Congress to literally give people land for pennies on the dollar. That's not happening. There's no more land to give away. And even if there were, they're certainly not giving it away. So there's that. Um, <laughs> so we're not there. But the people that are doing the so-called homesteading thing, what they're actually doing is they're just decentralizing. They're, they're taking themselves away from the markets of of, of uh, um, factory farming products, you know, they're growing their own food because they want to be able to either eat closer to nature, get to know their own land and take in the, the fauna 
from their own land, which then increases their immune systems. They're, they're taking their own power back is what they're doing. They're decentralizing away from these systems of dependency and they're bringing that power back to their own home. And Chud makes a perfect case. It's not homesteading as much as it's homemaking, mm. you know? And so we're, that's what we're doing. But what I've come to realize after watching, just going on YouTube and clicking the words homestead in YouTube and you just see all of these channels and all these people with their cameras and their lighting and their perfect hair and their perfectly shapely, healthy bodies and their nice stuff and all their power tools and how you can make all this stuff with these, all these great tools. Look how great I am and crafty. I can do all these things DIY with all these great tools. That's not homesteading. That's just making shit, you know, homesteading, like real homesteading. People had to kill animals every single day in defense of their livestock. People had to tame and, and grow soil in absolutely arid and inhospitable conditions. People build houses out of mud that would collapse on their children. People starved to death every winter. You know, I mean, they didn't have sanitation. They didn't have hygiene. They barely had food. Like that's real homesteading. Like, and I think it's a disservice to our great, great grandparents who actually did those things. You know, we only survived because they were able to tough it out through all those conditions um, to, to, to get to where we are now. And to call what we're doing on our YouTube channel homesteading, I think, is an insult to those that actually did and those that actually suffered, you know. And um, I think those books, those Steinbeck's books, paint a pretty good picture of the type of difficulty and depravity that came along in that, in that era. But that era is gone. It's a mm-hmm. hundred years gone. And I think when we call ourselves homesteaders, we're sort of holding on to this romanticized notion that we actually have this big wide open free area and that we're free to do these things. We're certainly not, we're free to decentralize, but there's no way we're going to ever completely decentralize. And those OG homesteaders were, they were decentralized to the most, you know, it's all, it's also a callback that reminds me of some of your early work too, about like the whole idea of the dim age that we're in. Right. Or just the idea of like, you know, back then, back when they were actually homesteading, you know, like as a man, you literally, had hands-on knowledge about every single element of your surroundings, every single piece of your surroundings, every piece of your environment from the wheel to the door to the, every single piece of it, like you literally either built or know exactly how it's built and how to fix it. And every single aspect of your life, you were directly involved with hands-on. And now we're like 0% of that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we got a whole, we got power tools. We got power running to our house. We got internet. We're making YouTube videos about DIY calling it homestead. It's not. It's yeah. not at all. And I mean, I, and that's why I was like, it's kind of touchy. I don't want to offend anybody, but You're good. we got to, I mean, we got to hang up the term, yeah. you know, we got to, yeah. we got to hang it up and we got to think of a new term. And I think Chud X calls it homemaking. And I think that's, that's awesome. That's the best term I could think of. You know, it really yeah. narrows it down because you're, you're making a home. You're not homesteading. There's no steading anymore. You know, you're making a home, whether you have 10 feet or 10 acres, that's still your home. And, you know, yeah, you can pretend with all your livestock that you're doing this the old fashioned way. And maybe you are, but you're still paying taxes on that land. You know, you still have a mortgage. You probably still have a regular full time job, you know, that you got to go to unless you can do all those things out of your house, which a lot of these fake homesteaders are doing just with their YouTube channel. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I just think it's not that. So we need to hang up the term. We need to adopt a new way to. to classify what we're doing because if we don't and then we're just spinning our wheels and we're just selling another product you know totally man like part part and and, and again too that kind of speaks to the fact like you're you're talking about how like it's actually kind of been weaponized against us 
Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Homestead yeah. is too close to home school, and homeschool yeah. is too close to uh, white supremacy. Yeah, exactly. It so, is. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a blossoming natural threat to the order, and so they want to weaponize that as much as they can. The people that homeschool, well, they're obviously anti-vax, and if they're anti-vax, then they're obviously anti-science. If they're anti-science, then they're white supremacists and they're extremists, and they're a natural threat. Just look at the Department of Justice; they've already called us that. Yeah, you know they've already got funding, and 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 assets and tools and technology to monitor and scour the earth for every single one of us, and locate us and track us and bill us and tax us and re- and regulate us out of any kind of decentralization whenever they want to. Yeah, you know, especially if you're a big name, if you're a big person with big money, and you're trying to build a huge wall around your ten thousand acres. I mean, there's people, there's places like that in Texas where it's like massively decentralized areas and those are those places are on lists you know they're on terrorist watch lists because they don't know what's going on behind those doors you know they could yeah. be making child pornography yeah. or they could just be homesteading you yeah. know they could just be simply you know decentralizing away from these power structures but when that when the homesteaders run out of their you know when their animals get sick they don't try to mend the wounds themselves they rarely ever call a vet you know um, they take them to they take them to the vet, and when they run out of food or their shit spoils, they go and order their chicken food from Wilco. You know they're not they're not homesteaders. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it. No, I feel you, man. I feel you. So I was like, I was like, damn, because I've been saying that this whole time. I'm like, I don't want to get out there. My goal is homestead, and I'm like, okay, no. Now my goal is decentralized living, right, and homemaking. There we go. Yeah, so, decentralized living, man. Taking yeah. taking. I mean, it's weird because it's uncomfortable. You're in the wilderness. You're working for cash jobs. There's it's it's a job by job type of thing. You know, any kind of cash job you're making is decentralizing. Yeah. Bingo. Just right there. That's that's the easiest step. Uh, But it's not like it's going to be a guaranteed thing. I mean, for all I know, this guy I work for up in the hills, he talks about dying every day. He's got a bad ticker, you know, (laughs) and I know that if he kicks the bucket, there goes my job. And that's the last thing I'm thinking of. I mean, I, I really care for this man. And I think he's an awesome guy. He's become kind of a father figure to me in a weird way, whether he likes it or not. But, um, you know, he like these these jobs are not guaranteed. This future is not secure. And I don't think the future. This is why I choose to do it this way, because I don't think the future, even in a job type job, tax slavery is secure either. Mm-hmm. I don't think the money is secure. I think oh. cash is secure for the most part. I mean, it may be devalued. It may be yeah. flimsy fiat paper bullshit, but. You can fill your tank with cash, with with cash. You can buy food with cash. You can pay your bills with cash. You can't do any of that shit with crypto. You yeah. can't do any of that shit with a with a check. You gotta turn that check into cash, you know. Yeah. And so that's that's one step. And um, and you know, and another way to to branch out and to keep yourself decentralized if you're really looking into it, Scott, yeah. is to think about. Um, for me, one of the weird things was while I was volunteering at the farm, I was passing the fire department. Yeah, see, that was that was my next question. I was gonna ask you about. So yeah. 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 And so they had a, you know, volunteers needed. I already knew that our fire department was all volunteer and, uh, and it's a pretty big area. I had no idea how big the district is. Um, but you know, I went in there with my half shaved face and my nose ring and no mask. And I was able to fill out an application for volunteer and they actually gave me an interview and they wanted to know about me and about why I want to volunteer at the fire department. And I told them the truth, you know, like I I'm trying to build bridges into my community. I just moved here. I don't know anybody. Um, I'm a capable, fairly young, healthy, strong man who can do all kinds of things. And um, I find good fulfillment and value in volunteering. 
and um, I want to help. I just, you know, I just want to help and I want to learn and I want to meet other rad men. And so that was it. Boom. I started doing the training and then I found myself surrounded by mostly younger guys, but then all the older dudes that are some of the more seasoned firemen, like infinite wealths of knowledge and connections. And so I know that if, if all these other little jobs dry up, I already know that there's five or six dudes I talk to who run their own farms who run their own operations or their brother's wife's cousin has some big operation that they always need seasonal work. They always pay cash. They're good people. And now that, you know, they know that I'm a legit person. Um, I'm already committed, have graduated through the fireman Academy. I'm going into wildland training and all that stuff. Like they know that I'm, you know, I put my money where my mouth is. And so they know that they can count on me. They know that, that I'm a reliable person. And so I'm going to be someone that they recommend, you know, I've actually yeah. turned down jobs that people have offered me because I'm busy over here, you know? Yeah, that's great. So that's a really good connection. And, and strangely, um, as far as like the social aspect of living out here, like I said, I don't really have that many friends, but the friends I have are mostly people I've made through the fire department. So in a strange way, as I'm building my skills and incident response and knowledge of structure fires and medical evaluations and training and CPR, that increases my value as a person, but it also is a social bridge to the community on a really cool personal level where I now have a whole bunch of rad friends that are men. Some of them are young men in their late teens. Some of them are old men in their sixties, you know, but we all get together and we all get along and we all just bust ass and continue training to build our skills. And it's just been a really, really cool way, man. It's been a really cool thing. So um, I think anyone that has the opportunity who wants to learn how to do these types of things that they really should while you still can, while it's still healthy. And I know that last year during COVID, uh, there wasn't a fire academy. You know, there was no volunteers last year because everyone was barred from gathering together, you know, mm. so. Dude, that's so awesome. All right. Yeah, I added it to the list here. And I know I've heard you talk about it quite a bit on your show, but it's just like, you know, now it's like you mentioned just having the opportunity. You know, it's like, yeah, dude, kind of have the opportunity for something like that. And the way you described it, that sounds all great. And I feel like one of the areas I feel like one of my big, I don't know, weaknesses is the idea of like the medical care part of it. Like I wouldn't know how to like be like a trauma response, like in a crazy, like off grid type situation. So I feel like that's valuable stuff. It's Absolutely. easier than you think, man, yeah. because yeah. I mean, once you start to learn that training and you go through the evolutions and you learn the whole protocols, you're one of a team of like 20 people. Yeah. You know, and there's always going to be more knowledgeable people who are more experienced, who know exactly what to do. And they're just counting on you to volunteer to show up. You're not held down to it. If you can't show up or don't want to show up to every call, you don't have to. No one's going to get mad at you. It's all yeah. voluntary, but it's easier than you think. I mean, doing CPR, it's hard work, dude. Doing chest compressions is hard work. You can only, you know, punch on someone's chest for about 45 seconds before you start to get winded and then you have someone else taking over for you, you know, but yeah. it's, it's very interesting and very critical information and skills to have. And, you know, honestly, if I was working at a job type job, I wouldn't have the time. I wouldn't have the time to be available to learn how to do these things. So yeah. the more I stay out of that rat race and that fucking hamster wheel, the more opportunities I have to grow my skills and grow my value as an individual that I can then give back to my community, which is, its own reward man it's it's fucking awesome it feels yeah. great and now Dude. we're doing a uh, wildland training because we're coming into wildfire season yeah and even though the local fire department here is all voluntary no one gets paid i mean we get like five bucks you know for every call and every class we do um 
but the wildland fire is that's all paid work mm-hmm. like you, you know you get farmed out to california for two weeks you're basically busting your ass for 12 to 24 hours a day non-stop but you're getting paid 24 hours a day yeah and so you come back to that you know with a great experience a lot of really good effort and input and then a big huge fat paycheck too yeah so. There you go. Awesome, man. Like I just got chills thinking of all this, dude. And I hope the listeners are getting fired up as well, man. The last thing I wanted to ask you, if you got a few more minutes, sure, man. Um, is the uh so I heard you got some uh interference on your PayPal. Like, did that ever get resolved? Or like what's oh, that, yeah, dude? yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny, man. Um, so PayPal froze my account after uh a bunch of people had donated, and it happens every time, man. Every time like some whale donor comes in. Yeah. someone like donates like a couple hundred bucks which is so fucking amazing yeah it happens rarely but whenever it does paypal comes down with like we're questioning your account and we don't know what's going on what are you selling we need proof of shipping and all these things and i'm like i have a podcast but i also yeah. have a website and a store that i sell art out of that people sometimes yeah. buy so i think paypal just kind of got confused because i have a you know a paypal store and then i have this donation button but i'm not a 501c3 nonprofit. Sure. So what am I doing? Uh, but it, it all got resolved actually. Okay, what I ended up, yeah. What I ended up doing was I ended up calling him on the phone and I got through right away and I just explained my position and what I'm doing with the show and what I'm doing with the store. And they're like, Oh my bad, dude, we just got it confused. Okay. You're all good. Oh, good. Okay. So okay. yeah, they reinstated my account. People can continue to support. Um, I've been trying to get around to getting a short little announcement show put together I could just put out a tiny little micro episode and just let everyone know that I'm my PayPal is back up. If anyone okay, okay. wants to donate, there you go. So it's but back in line. That's yeah. good, man. Yeah. I'm used to just crazy censorship. Like I'm here working with Ryan, dude, like he's like one of the most censored people in the world. It's so insane. Like even right before going live here. So I, I, I use this system and I know I probably shouldn't, I should probably use a different system, but it's MailChimp. I know they're bad guys. They'll deplatform you, but it's, it's very easy <laughs> and convenient. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a, from no agenda has been having trouble with them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happened was, is I came in and I logged into my the laptop here. I logged, tried to log into my account. I connected to Ryan's Wi-Fi here at the last American Vagabond studios. And then I connected to MailChimp and it would not let me log in. And so I contacted their technical support and they're like, uh, you know, clear your cache, uh, try to use a different device, log in through, through a different Wi-Fi connection. So I'm like, okay. So I cleared my cache, still had the same problems. And then I just turned my hotspot on my phone and I connected through my hotspot on my phone and it went right through so i think his ip address here at the studio is like blacklisted and he doesn't even use mailchimp he said <laughs> so he's just he's just on these blacklists that don't allow his ip address to access some of these like you know establishment systems or whatever so mailchimp has their eye on him and he doesn't even use their freaking system dude it's so crazy i so. know man this is so fucking wild how wires get crossed like that <sighs> but yeah that's something i wanted to say to you too man i'm yeah. i couldn't be happier to hear that you're hooked up with ryan and Dude, the tlav yeah that is those guys run such a tight ship it's such a good operation man i think you're you're in the best possible place you could be and i think you yeah. came at just the right time and i'm so happy to hear that that you kept your life simple enough in oregon that you were able to wrap up your business and not have a bunch of threads hanging out and obligations that are going to keep you tethered. I think that's so yeah. fucking cool, man. And yeah. you're really, really, really lucky to do that because yeah, not man. everyone can. I mean, people got kids, yep. people got careers and homes that they've invested their lives into, or they're, you know, like, like me, I have an ex-wife and I share a kid, you know, and it's, it's an hour trip twice yeah. a week, sometimes three times a week, an hour there and an hour back and all kinds of hostility now. And, it just is fucking is such a drag. Um, 
and if I had my druthers, man, I'd be living in Alaska, honestly. Sure. But, but I got a kid, you know, and I, and I don't want to be a douchebag dad. So I just, I keep myself within an hour and I couldn't be in a better place here. Honestly, like cool. as soon as we moved here, some shit went down in the, in the community here. And then I saw how the, the men and women in this community stood up and took action in the ice storm when the, when the system failed, yeah. which it did. I mean, it wasn't like the system caused the ice storm, but PGE and County works were completely underwater within 10 minutes of the ice storm. And the ice storm left people without power up here in the hills for over two weeks, man. There was wow. old people like on dialysis and breathing yeah, yeah. machines. And what happened within hours of the storm after it was all said and done, there were just droves of men and trucks and chainsaws just clearing roads and driving around generators and dropping them off of people's houses and taking animals out of barns and putting them in huge fairground type lots so that they could all be fed and watered every day and turned out and that all happened voluntarily, yeah. you know, because there was a necessity for it and a real crisis and a call to action. And so when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, man, this is where I want to be. And mm -hmm. I want to be in there. I want to be part of that team and part of those groups, even though I hate groups, can't stand them. <laughs> um, but I really love being in this community. And so any opportunity I can to stay out of the fucking hamster wheel, rat race, debt, slavery, wage trap of a job type job frees me to be as involved in this community as I could ever dream to be. So you can't have it both ways, you know? Yeah. I mean, some people can, some people have these great careers where they can break away and go on calls and they get three hours of sleep every night and they put themselves in harm's way. That's fucking amazing. They're supermen. I'm not that yet, but I strive to be something like that, you know, but I just want to make a career out of my life. Dude, that's it. Make a career out of your life. That's the best thing I've heard in a long time, man. That's powerful. That's it. Brother, thank you so much, man. This has been so fantastic to catch up and like just like lots of words of wisdom. And this is a very actionable episode. So I hope people got a lot out of it. Um, tell people where they can find you or listen to your podcast. Oh, man, you can find Up Is Down podcast at deanreiner.com. That's my domain name. It's my awesome website. It's kind of a pricey one, but I think it's well worth it because there's a bunch yeah. more on there than just the podcast. Um, I used to do a blog. I don't do much writing, even though I love writing. And I think I'm a pretty good writer. Yeah. I just don't do much writing anymore, but you can find it there. You can find my podcast pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. I'm on Apple. My favorite thing is whenever <laughs> whenever the, the, the idea of the podcast comes up. Oh, and also, by the way, another thing is this small town, um, they're kind of conservative around here. Mm. And so I don't talk about my show um, to nearly almost anyone around here, like especially at the fire department. <laughs> Yeah. I don't mention that I have a podcast. I don't mention that I hate the government. I don't mention that I'm trying to decentralize my life because I think the government is a corrupt bunch of fucking criminals and the IRS is the enemy and that AI is a demon. Oh, I don't man. talk about that shit, man. I keep that totally separate. So that's another piece of advice. Like if you're in a small town community and you have a platform and you're trying to commodify your life, keep some shit separate, you know, like, don't go advertising because I know that if people in my department that I work with listen to my show, they'd have a completely different idea of, of who they think I am, mm -hmm. you know. And so wearing multiple hats, even if they don't quite fit, is something you're going to have to learn to do if you really want to decentralize. Because that's not just decentralizing away from the systems, but it's also decentralizing away from certain images that can be placed upon you and a type of product that you're producing, which is your life, your effort, your value, your work is a product. And like we were talking about earlier with the Twyman stuff, 
all the details that go into the production of that product aren't necessarily necessary for everyone to know. So I keep things separate and I try to wear different hats, even if they don't fit, because to me, that's, it's important that I can keep myself a little on the down low, even when I'm right out in the open, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I talk about the show sometimes, but not often, but, um, you can find it on Apple. Uh, when they do talk about the show, my favorite question is like, Oh dude, you're on Spotify like Joe Rogan. And I, <laughs> and I say, no, I'm not, I'm not on Spotify like Joe Rogan, but I'm I listen to you on podcast addict. Shout oh, out to cool. podcast addict. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're a podcasting 2.0 friendly platform. Like they're good people. Yeah. Same here, yeah. man. I, um, I listen to you on uh podverse. I nice. like podverse. That's also a 2.0 friendly app. Really cool. Nice. Um, I'm still out of the loop as far as all that podcast index. And I mean, I, I know I'm on podcast index, but I, yeah. I don't know much about the 2.0 and I don't know much about the lightning stream Satoshi's. And yeah, I haven't quite got there yet either, but it's just, it's over my pay grade, man. Like I don't yeah. have the, the bandwidth to try to comprehend that shit. And the easiest direction from point a to point b when it comes to that that i've heard from from real smart people is i got to get a raspberry pi and i got to uh, set up this whole thing and like i'm not into doing that yeah I'm, yeah i'm yeah. not trying to farm yeah well you your your show streams on the no agenda stream sometimes yeah. too right yeah yeah I'm so that's no that's huge stream. that's huge yeah that's, that's a good one for sure yeah. Um, but yeah you can find me there um, i prefer people listen at, at the website yeah because it's always going to play it's my own website um nice. there's no hosting platform you know it's like I mean, of course, Spreaker is the host of my my RSS, but you know, I've <laughs> I've bent the rules a lot on Spreaker, and they've never come down on me. And I've heard people's other shows that are also produced via Spreaker who have done very very little of the bending of the rules, and their shows get taken down by Spreaker. So I don't know what I'm doing right or wrong, but I just don't fuck with it. Well, what sort of rules? What what do they hold you accountable for? No, Spreaker's never held me accountable for. Anything. I mean, I mean, but what 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 do, what do people get in? difficulty with with them uh copyright stuff oh music. i see oh gotcha gotcha okay okay gotcha yeah that makes sense music yeah. and copyright yeah. i don't know if i'm just doing things differently i sometimes use copyrighted music um i sometimes will play the whole fucking song with no <laughs> interruption and i get no dings and sometimes i'll take a piece of song and i'll slow it down and i'll change it around for some of the montages that i make and i get no i get no dings yeah so i, I don't know what's going on but um that's just the, the way i do it i don't know cool Awesome, man. Well, shoot, brother. Like I got to say, man, like big props. You do a fantastic job. Your show is very well produced, like all the clips and sound effects Like you do an awesome, incredible job. And uh, thanks, yeah, man. It's fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I wish I had more time to, to yeah. do it more often. Yeah. That's part of the weird wilderness life, too, here is yeah. like I'm kind of always on the run. Like, you know, when it's rainy and crappy outside. I still got work to do around around yeah. the house, around the homestead. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> so if I'm going to be outside working in the rain, I'd rather be at home then be out you know up in the hills off the grid yeah so even though i'm losing money that day i'm still taking advantage of the the location so i'm still getting stuff done here and it's usually on those kind of days that i can just finally sit down and do a podcast but you know like i mentioned way earlier like it's just it's not that i'm over it it's just that it's not so much of a priority for me anymore to like dig down into the dirt and try to find exposures of inversions anymore you know like yeah. My show is pivoting. My life is pivoting. My interests are pivoting. It's a constant flux. And so I just try to make a show about the things I care about when I, when I can. So, um, that's breaks a lot of rules, you know, yeah. that breaks a lot of podcast rules. According to Adam Curry at no yeah. agenda, um, I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and that's fine because I think I've you know I've whittled down to a very fine audience of people that are looking exactly for the kind of value that I'm producing and and I know it's hitting home because I get nothing but positive feedback even if it's from the same people I know that I'm making a, a show for them and if it's if you know if that's all it if that's all it means and that's good enough for me you know dude that's fantastic yeah dude I can't say enough positive things so thank you so much man for joining me today uh, we'll definitely have to catch up soon and just keep it, keep, keep crushing it, man. Like you're just doing all the, all the things that I'm striving to do. So I got some good notes. So I thank you very much. Dude, I really appreciate it, man. You can do it. You can do all these things. Do it. I would, I would suggest, uh, spending more time out of the city and touching down closer in some of those communities yeah. and figuring out, you know, just working with some people, just volunteering if you can. I mean, and just get some connections going, get some bridges built and find yourself doing some tasks that maybe, hard or you don't quite understand but by the day's end you'll have known you'll know how to do it and you'll feel really really good it makes you feel really good to to learn the skill exercise that practice make something tangible walk away and say okay now i know how to do that i'm going to try doing that over here and i'm going to try doing that over here and you'll see how these things just they just grow and they grow like a garden man it's really cool so the path just reveals itself huh it yeah. certainly does, but yeah. you have to let the path reveal yep. itself. You can't yep. force it, you know. Yep. You can't put parameters on it. You got to just be open to it and take the losses as they come. Totally, man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dean. We'll catch you up soon, all right? Hell yeah, Scott, man. Thanks right. again for having me on. Thanks, brother. Later. Really, really proud of you, man. Keep it oh, up yeah. yourself. Thank you. You too. All right, dude. Yeah. Boom.